Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Right here on 960theref.com. What's up, guys? Sam Franco, Chris Brame along with you. Another episode of The Crossover here on 960theref.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, plenty to get to on today's episode. We have some Georgia Gym Dogs to talk about as they've made a hire with the program for a new head coach. We can also hit on some college football and a little Georgia baseball as they just got done sweeping Georgia Tech. So, all that coming up. But first, we have the biggest scandal to hit the SEC in a long time. Was it or was it not Jim McElwain naked with a shark? It was not Jim McElwain naked humping a dead shark. Uh, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. It uh, he's, he's guilty anyway. And I think that we're going to see photos of that popping up at game day. <laughs> so, no, it wasn't him. But... Whether or not it was him at this point is irrelevant. It looked too much like him, and all of his rivals now will always hold that against him. Oh, yeah, that's super unfortunate to have a doppelganger posing like that. I mean, we've seen over the years where various TV shows and stuff have done that episode before where somebody is going around creating havoc or whatever, and the character from the show gets blamed, and it ends up not being them because it's like some doppelganger or twin or somebody that looks like them. And that's what's happened to Jim McElwain here in real life. And it's funny because he was asked about it, and initially the statement was released from a spokesperson for Florida that was like, yeah, that's not him. And then when he was asked about it, he did not seem very amused. No, and I don't blame him. I mean, I wouldn't be amused by it either, I guess, if uh, one weekend you're just sitting around minding your own business and all of a sudden it's brought to your attention that, hey, there's this picture of a guy who looks like you <laughs> and his he's butt naked laying on top of a shark and uh, people are wondering whether it's you I mean yeah I mean I get it I wouldn't be amused either and uh, you'd like to think that God do I really even have to address this Um, because it's not him because to me anyone who would do that is like a sociopath you have to be mentally ill to allow somebody to take your picture naked on top of a, a dead animal that I assume you probably just killed or just really drunk Right, but I mean, oh, maybe you're really drunk, okay. <laughs> but um, but still, it, it, but if your if your drunkenness brings that out in you, there's still some mental illness there. Oh, alcohol is truth serum, like, right? You know, you have people admitting to things when they're drunk and stuff like that that they wouldn't normally admit to and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, totally, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like I mean, I'm I'm all for. I don't have anything against hunting, and especially if you're you know you're doing it for food. Um, but sometimes where there's the sport of it, oh yeah, and you know these guys then are posted are are posing for pictures with these you know trophies and these animals they just killed. I don't know. I mean, there's like a a a, a psychopathic element that uh, that that seems to be you know, prevalent there. Like I mean, it really is. It's like sociopathic. 
And, you know, so if, if the, the head football coach at the University of Florida actually did that, I mean, you would have to – I'd have to question whether or not I wanted him to be my head coach. It's not like Nick Saban could get away with that, but Jim McElwain's not at the point where he could really get away with that because it'd be like, well – I think we're going to have to find somebody else to run our program. The only way that this could have been better is if it would have been a Saban doppelganger instead of a McElwain sure. doppelganger. I mean, but that's the thing in this day and age, too. I mean, with Photoshop, you can get, I mean, you can make, you can get pictures, I mean, pretty good where it's tough to tell whether or not, um, you know, the, the, the picture's been altered or doctored mm-hmm. at all. Like last week, there was a picture. Uh, you know, right after the, not, I'm not just bringing this up. This is no way I'm returning this political. But right after the House passed their health care bill, and Donald Trump had that ceremony in the Rose Garden, and yet all these members of the House behind him mm-hmm. and everything, somebody took one of their faces and photoshopped it on every single person in that photo except for Trump. And you couldn't tell until she had pointed out that she had done that, that every face in there had the same one. And so, I mean, oh, right. So, I mean, I, you know, it's like, OK, somebody, I guess, could have taken a Jim McElwain and photoshopped it or something. Right. But uh, again, it doesn't matter whether it's him or not. It uh, it's not, but it is. It's going to follow him around, right, even though yes. it's not him. He's and, not like, he's not getting he's, this isn't going to be put behind him. No. And it's funny because when you look at kind of embarrassing things that have happened to coaches over the years you know Bobby Petrino comes to mind with the oh I fell off a motorcycle yeah right uh you also have you know Rick Patino, kind of both guys at Louisville there who's uh you know obviously had his fair share of scandal and it goes back to because this one is about a photo Mike Price remember when he got hired at Alabama and he had the picture with a stripper that kind of resembled D Snyder oh yeah and it's like obviously that was a real picture of Mike Price whereas this is a fake or photoshopped or not actually Jim McElwain in this picture but still I mean it's Jim McElwain's Mike Price moment just because it looks enough like him to where like you said this is going to follow him around it's not going anywhere uh, no, and I wonder if there'll be somebody daring enough that, you know, because what SEC Media Days has turned into where, you know, it's almost like the Super Bowl Media Day where they'll let anybody in there. Oh, yeah. If it's going to follow him all the way to Birmingham this summer where it's still going to be something he's getting uh, asked about. But, I mean, if it can – obviously, he's, he was already, you could tell, definitely kind of like, I, I can't believe – I don't know why this is a story. That's up for you to answer, but no, that's not me. I will point out yet again, though, if – if if anyone who had a picture of them made naked on top of a dead shark, <laughs> if anyone asked you, hey, is that you? The answer would be no, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the problem McIlwain has. Like, well, of course you're saying it's not you. Yeah, I mean, you're going to default to say no. Right. It's like, you know, it's like the excuse nowadays of I've been hacked or whatever, like we saw Kristaps Porzingis uh, from the Knicks have something occur on his Twitter account where it said like LA Clippers and a bunch of smiley face emojis or whatever. And then he was like, yeah, I was hacked. And then after Kevin Garnett and a bunch of the other 08 Celtics got together on a podcast or on, on a, uh, something that had to do with TNT's NBA coverage. And they're like talking about Ray Allen, not wanting to be on board. And then like the next day on Ray Allen's Facebook page, it's a picture of him like battling with Ray John Rondo while he's wearing a heat Jersey, you know? And it's like, he's like, Oh no, I got hacked. It's like, 
just you know either yeah. admit it or come up with something better than that. And at least McElwain's just straight up saying, "No, that's not me." Right. Which <laughs> is, I mean, that's it. You hope it eventually will uh, will go away. But it's like even uh, Bobby Petrino to bring him back up. Remember, like last year, there was something where he had retweeted or he had uh, liked or favorited something from uh, it was like a porn. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he basically he said like, "Well, a lot of people have access to my." my Twitter account. right and, and that also happened with uh, the Knicks coach not Jeff Hornacek but the one that was the coach of the Knicks before. Kurt Rambis that's it, right it was Kurt Rambis yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kurt Rambis had basically if you went on Kurt Rambis's likes it was all likes of like porn accounts yeah it was like triple x things yeah. yeah yeah so and obviously he was not able to say I was hacked I think I think it just kind of died or it didn't really have too many uh, too much legs or whatever but always a funny example of of uh how not to handle a situation when people are going oh i got hacked i got hacked it's like you're ruining it for people that actually do get hacked because that does happen yeah i think the best thing to do is just kind of uh attempt to ignore it it indulge the questions uh initially you know don't get too up in arms about it and then yeah eventually we will move on yeah. We'll get tired of it. Exactly. I don't know if McElwain – I mean, I think this is going to follow McElwain. <laughs> this one's there. different. It's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's a naked guy humping a shark. Right. Who does look an awful lot like Jim McElwain. I mean, it's really darn close. Yeah. I mean, it's it's scary how close it is. So, uh, Jim McElwain will have that to deal with. Uh, some college football programs that have another issue it seems like they're dealing with are programs that reside in the Big 12 – where the Big 12 uh, coaches are not concerned, apparently, after the lowest number of draft picks in conference history just happened in the NFL draft. 14 players were drafted from the Big 12. Uh, the league had 21 fewer picks than any other Power 5 conference, and even when you adjust for the number of conference members, uh, the Big 12, at 1.4 picks per school, averaged more than one pick less than any other Power 5 league team including 2.39 picks per school less than the SEC, which, of course, led all conferences with 53 selections. So 53 selections for the SEC, 14 for the Big 12. What do you think lends itself to that in terms of the SEC and Pac-12 and these other conferences having more draft picks? Is it, is it the style of play in the Big 12 with, with very little emphasis on defense and just trying to run up the score and they have a lot of spread-out offenses? I think that probably contributes uh, some to it, where you've got the offenses that you don't really see in the NFL, and then you've got defenses that are geared to stopping uh, those types of offenses. And then, so well, this pass rusher and the technique that they have, that doesn't fit with what we want to do in the NFL either. Another thing I think that has contributed to it, though, is that Texas has been down. And I, right. I would bet if you looked back at the history of the schools in the Big 12 – most of them that we're talking about now, like Baylor's a, a recent power in college football, but you know Baylor, Kansas State, Kansas, Texas Tech, a lot of those schools have never really had a lot of NFL draft success. And so I think a, a factor that's contributed to the Big 12's numbers being down is the fact that Texas doesn't have anybody drafted, that Texas has been down. And you know, if Texas gets good again under Tom Herman, I think that'll change. But I would believe Texas and Oklahoma are probably the two schools that have contributed most of anything that the Big 12 has produced in the NFL anyway. Exactly. And, uh, you know, the story did say here that the coaches weren't concerned. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury goes with the ever-popular cyclical 
excuse when it comes to things like this, how it's always cyclical or it happens in waves. And this is the quote from Kingsbury. He said, you have cycles, you have waves. We're obviously down when it comes to the top, top prospects. We have good players, but maybe not the elite level that some of the other leagues have. I don't think it's panic mode yet. So he's kind of putting it on not necessarily the systems or whatever, and I don't think he would put it on the system because if he came out and said, yeah, it's probably the system we're running, that would hurt him in recruiting because players hear that and they're like, well, I'm not going to go play for them if the NFL player or NFL scouts and coaches don't want players from our system. But he's actually blaming the talent. Uh, Dana Holgerson of West Virginia said, I don't think there's anything to worry about. I'm a little tired of the media making it a big deal. Yeah, well, Kingsbury can boast now, though. He did have, for, with his system, it did produce the number 10 overall pick in the drafted quarterback, the guy that just also happened to be the only player out of the Big 12 who even got drafted in the in the first round. But look, those coaches' jobs are to, to, to win and produce results for their colleges, not necessarily to, to graduate guys to the NFL. And um, I think some of those schools, like Texas Tech, Kansas State, um, you know, they're not recruiting frontline talent anyway, so they've had to develop these systems that allow them to compete against schools that do recruit the four and the five stars, and some of them have done that well. Art Bryles at mm-hmm. Baylor was uh, was an example of that, but, um, I mean, Baylor was never producing NFL draft picks, and I'm sure Kansas rarely has, and that's not like Kansas State's had a rich history. It's A lot of that's been dominated by Oklahoma and Texas, and you know, the fact is, over the last couple of years, I think Texas is the school that hasn't produced really NFL draft picks. And I think that's that, to me, is probably what contributed to the Big 12's uh, downward turn in the NFL draft is Texas's absence. Yeah, some of the other coaches took a more defiant stance about, hey, it's not our job to be like the minor leagues for NFL, right. although it kind of is. Uh, but you had uh, new Texas coach Tom Herman say, it's not our job to be a farm league. It's like I tell kids in recruiting, it doesn't matter if you play at 1A high school or 6A high school. If you're good enough to play at Texas, we'll find you. The same thing goes true for college. If you're good enough to play in the NFL, they're going to find you. It's irrelevant what conference you played in. It's irrelevant what school you went to. It's, did God bless you with enough talent? Uh, TCU's Gary Patterson said, I don't go out and recruit saying this guy, the only reason I'm going to take him is he fits the NFL model. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, they have to win at their level, and I get that. But a big thing in recruiting is – telling players especially the ones at the high level your four and five star guys is telling them how you're going to help them get to the next level sure but you know and then if if that's if for tcu if it hurts them getting an elite uh, recruit then they've got to find a system that does allow them to to get whatever value there is out of the the lesser starred recruits that they might end up getting and some of those coaches have been incredibly successful doing that gary patterson is uh is an example of that for uh, for sure. But even, I mean, when you look at recruiting and if you just look at maps now of where high school talent is, you know, most densely populated, it's just in this part of the country and it's not in the Midwest. Right. So, I mean, those schools are, they probably realize, like, we're going to be getting a lot of two and three stars and we got to find a way to compete in some of those systems that co- those coaches run have been the the best way to do that. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the coaches in this story from ESPN uh, try to refute the fact that the style of play is what could be causing this, and it seems like a bunch of them are using uh, Patrick Mahomes as the example uh, to to refute it. He said, uh, Dana Holgerson said when talking about Mahomes, he said, that's the most unconventional offense in the country. You take a quarterback number 10 out of that offense, it speaks volumes about the kid, he was the scariest player I've coached against in the last three years. And uh, Cliff Kingsbury also went on to say, 
uh, talking about former Texas Tech quarterback Davis Webb, uh, a third-round pick. He said he never heard any negative talk about our conference or the lack of prospects. Uh, NFL scouts evaluate players first, not teams or leagues. So it's definitely interesting to think about how the NFL looks at the leagues. And, yeah, I don't think the NFL is coming out looking at the Big 12 and saying, oh, we're not taking players from that league. Yeah, if a player can play, he can play. But they might be a little behind the eight ball just in terms of some of the – like if you're comparing players, like say you're going after a good linebacker or a good wide receiver in the SEC versus one from the Big 12 – well, just looking at the offensive player, I mean, the wide receiver in the Big 12 doesn't have maybe as involved of a playbook or, you know, they have very, you know, short route trees. It's like you do this or you do this on every play, whereas, you know, players that come from a more pro-style offense might have more to think about and might be more ready to digest an NFL playbook when they get to that level. Right, especially with quarterbacks. Absolutely. Like, well, how many reads does he have? One read and then he takes off and runs. I know that was one of the criticisms I would read about Deshaun Watson is oftentimes at Clemson he would look to that first read. If it wasn't there, his next inclination was to take off and run. And, and obviously you don't want your quarterback doing that in the NFL. Uh, to be that reliant on his no, legs because he won't make it that long. Well, we've seen with RG3, Mike Vick, I mean, just over and over and Even over Even Cam Newton now. Eventually, that's going to catch up to you. Yeah. And you're going to get hit a lot, and you're not going to like it. Even Russell Wilson he has, has stopped running as much. So, yeah, because he's know. been you know banged up. Right. So it's definitely something to think about in terms of what the NFL is looking for and what colleges have to do to get those players ready. But the Big 12 – lowest uh you know draft figure in a, a long long time i mean it definitely goes to show you that there is you know where there's smoke there's fire and maybe the big 12 you know has a little bit of an issue right now with that yeah i think if texas rebounds under tom herman those big 12 draft numbers will look a little bit uh different though you're listening to the crossover here on 960theref.com sam franco chris brame along with you georgia baseball great sweep of georgia tech that was completed over at SunTrust Park this week, and it was obviously a battle of a game. Ended eight to seven. Georgia got a, uh, a hit in the top of the ninth to drive in uh, Mitchell Webb. It was Keegan McGovern uh, to take an eight-seven lead, and the dogs were able to hold on there in the bottom of the ninth. So the dogs even their record at SunTrust Park on the year at one and one, and they sweep Georgia Tech in a three-game series for the first time since 1984. So uh, wow. Yeah, so some uh, it's crazy to think about that. Like you would think between you know now and then. Obviously, there have been times where a game might have been rained out or something, and so they couldn't play all three. But Georgia sweeping the Yellow Jackets for the first time since '84 in a three-game series, obviously really good and a really good note for a season that hasn't gone the way Georgia wanted it to. Yeah, there's uh, if there's if you're looking for some bright spot on the uh, resume this year, uh, obviously that's it. Now the next step would be to to hope Georgia can find a way to make it to Birmingham and at least get into the SEC tournament because uh, the way the SEC is formatted, that thing it does end up being kind of shameful if you don't get in there. You got 14 teams in the league and 12 make it, so if you're one of those two teams that's sitting it out, it's I don't know, it's sort of embarrassing. And uh, Georgia's got work to do, though, over these next uh, two weekends. you got Mississippi State right now tied for the lead in the SEC and then got to go on the road to South Carolina to close it out next weekend. Georgia's sitting on seven wins. So, you know, if you just think about getting to ten wins and, and getting to double-digit victories in the SEC, that means Georgia's going to have to win one of these last two series in order to make that happen. And, uh, you know, if we're being honest, they're not going to be favored to do that. 
No, they're not. And uh, Mississippi State currently the ninth-ranked team in the country, although Kentucky was four, and then Georgia went over to Lexington, took two out of three, and that dropped Kentucky to eight. So right now you're taking on another top-ten team and basically needing to win the series to give yourself a chance to make the SEC tournament. Like you said, they're not a good look when you don't make the tournament. Uh, Obviously, Georgia's had issues at times with the pitching staff. The offense hasn't been as productive in some spots as they would have needed it to be. So you hope that getting a sweep over Tech kind of lifts the spirits and gives you a little momentum going into the weekend. Yeah, and taking two out of three last weekend against Kentucky was another big thing. I mean, one thing I noticed with Georgia over the last couple weeks, even though you know dogs did get swept by Florida, lost two out of three to Vandy, is the pitching has cleaned up its act. I'm mm-hmm. not noticing as many wild pitches, as many walks and all those free bases and a lot of those gaffes and errors that were contributing to you know their demise early on in the uh, in the year so um I do feel like the team is playing better mm-hmm. even if you know, outside of beating tech now a couple times the there ha- you know the as far as winning and losing the results have been you know about the same you know, they did win that series of Kentucky those last week although it was Kentucky with the meltdown on Friday with those two errors in the ninth inning that led to Georgia scoring four runs Indeed. So hopefully the dogs can take care of business against the dogs this weekend here in Athens. And last but not least, here on the crossover on 960theref.com, the Jim Dogs have a new coach, and it's a familiar face. Uh, the Jim Dogs hired Courtney Coupets Carter to be the head coach. And when she was Courtney Coupets here in UGA, she won four straight national titles for the team, and a nine individual national championships. She's also an Olympic medalist, uh, winning a silver medal in the Athens Games in 2004, and uh, such a huge part of the Gym Dogs program, and, and one of the greatest gym, one of the greatest gymnasts in the history of college athletics. So bringing her back certainly has a lot of name clout to it, but she also has not ever coached at the collegiate level she spent some time coaching club and has worked with the sec network but yeah no prior coaching experience and that's where one of her volunteer coaches comes into play suzanne yachlin lieburn formerly suzanne yachlin is uh the volunteer coach for and you can't really go to a better spot than that to get some help no, I mean the question is is just you know what is her involvement going to be with that uh, title? I mean, how much is she going to be um, a part of recruiting and what uh, what goes on during the meets, or is she just going to be maybe a uh, uh, sitting on the sideline and whenever Courtney needs some advice? I mean, that's the million dollar question: is what uh, Suzanne's involvement is going to be as that that volunteer assistant coach, but. It's uh, you know it's an interesting outside the box hire as we've talked about on our shows. The one thing about it, and gymnastics is totally different, but it's not like you could make this hire in any other sport. You couldn't make a hire like this in football. No. You couldn't make it in baseball. You couldn't make it in basketball. In fact, in most instances, incoming coaches would hate the idea of having the legendary coach still within the program, kind of looking over their shoulder. But here, Courtney is welcoming it. Um, you know, and as an aside too, we've discussed many, many times, great athletes don't always, in fact, a lot of times they make terrible coaches. I actually asked her about that when we talked to her this morning and she kind of answered it in a sense by saying, you know, I talked about how 
you might not be as used to some of the downs as maybe a, a, a member of your team who's having those struggles. And she kind of answered it. It's like, I like how everybody thinks about it, that I didn't have any struggles or I didn't go through any like adversity or anything. So that is an interesting way to think about it where a lot of coaches or a lot of people that you would think would be good coaches, you know, Michael Jordan would probably be a terrible NBA coach right. because he wouldn't be able to relate. But Magic I, Johnson was awful. Right. Larry um, Bird wasn't great. Yeah. Although he got his team to an uh, NBA okay. finals. Yeah, so. he was all right. Um you know, but like Bill Russell was probably the best, but he was still playing when he was coaching. Right, right. Like Ted Williams was terrible mm-hmm. at it. So yeah, I mean, it's just it, it. More often than not, I feel like the great players don't make the best coaches. But um, you know, this was this was probably a smart move by Greg McGarity because obviously there's there's been a lot of tension and friction with McGarity and Georgia fans. The hires he's made have not really worked out well. Right. And this is one that you're really not going to be met with really any level of criticism because she is the greatest gymnast that Georgia's had. The NCAA about a month ago called her the best women's gymnast in the history, you know, of all time. Uh, So, you know, had he gone out and hired like somebody from Eastern Michigan or something, or, you know, like the previous coach, Dana Durante, had come from Cal. That might have been, all right, well, do we really trust what McGarity's doing now? I mean, how can we trust him? All his hires are bad. But the the successful coaches that are on staffs right now are all those duly hires that all, with the exception, I guess, of the softball coach, attended Georgia. Right. So it's, you know, all right, I'll hire a, I'll hire a great uh, Georgia athlete to, to lead the gym dogs now. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, it's funny because you said that no other sport could really make that hire, and I agree with you. It's funny, too, because – you have the example of like Barry Alvarez, remember at Wisconsin, and I think he's still their AD. Yeah. But whenever like he would fire a coach, he would come in and coach the bowl game, you know? So there was always that lingering thing over you. And yeah, I mean, you and me and, and Dave, before we started recording this episode, we're kind of talking about this. It'd be like if, you know, if Georgia were to hire like Herschel Walker or Matthew Stafford uh, as head coach of the football team. And bring on Vince Dooley as like a an associate or a volunteer coach. I don't really have those at football, but you know what I mean, like, yeah. like something like that. Or like if the baseball team, if they ever were to make a move, if they were to hire like Gordon Beckham, you know, or Jeff Keppinger, it's just. And then Perno was the volunteer coach, right? Yeah. It's just strange to kind of see how this is going down. But I think overall, um, I think. This sport and the way that they've done this is set up to work a lot better than those other examples. Yeah, I think it's it is. It's completely different, and yeah, you know, I can't sit here and pretend to understand the the ins and outs of what it takes to to recruit a, a college gymnast because it certainly isn't traditional where these girls are in high school and you go and you scout them. I mean, they come from all these clubs from uh, from all over the country. And um, or even what it takes to prepare and, and get them ready for a, a meet and all that. But it uh, I, yeah, it's just when you, you think about a couple of those, the, having the legendary coach still playing a role and uh, the, the lack of any prior experience running a program or coaching a program or just would have been uh, virtually unthought of in a lot of those other sports like basketball, football, baseball, anything like that. So, I mean, it's definitely outside the box, but I think it was a you know, probably a a safe move for Greg McGarity to make too with a lot of people questioning his ability to, you know, hire coaches. 
because most of them have not really worked out that well, that this is one he probably figured, well, they'll have a hard time coming up with ways to criticize this move. Because if you do, then all of a sudden, I mean, it's like you're bashing the the greatest athlete in the history of the program. Though. Right, but it is kind of strange how, you know, you, you were talking about the Dooley hires that are all Georgia, except for Lou Harris Champer. You talk about Kirby making the hire of Kirby Smart to be the football coach, and now with uh, Courtney Coupets Carter coming in to be the head coach of the Gym Dogs, it's kind of like what we saw happening at Michigan. You know, we want a Michigan man. Well, Georgia seems to be going the route of trying to keep it in the family, and hopefully it works out because, as I will say, that it, it's harder to fire those people than it is people that don't have any relationship to the universe. Sure. I mean, it makes it, yeah, it makes for a much messier divorce. Georgia went through that a couple decades ago with Ray Goff, who was a great player here and then, but not such a great coach. So it, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the catch 22. I mean, you really, now it really does have to, uh, have to work out. Everything hinges though on Kirby though. Of course it does. Any controversy in college athletics nowadays, it always comes back to, well, it'll all be okay as long as the football team wins. Absolutely. No question about that. And before we get out of here, uh, I forgot to mention this to you in our uh, our rundown of the show today, but I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about some things that happened in golf last weekend. Congratulations to Brian Harmon, first of all, for winning the Wells Fargo Championship. Another Georgia player winning on tour, and Brian's won before on tour, but it just goes to show how good of a job Coach Hack did with recruiting, and it does with recruiting and how it translates to these guys performing at the next level. It's really impressive. Yeah, and he's the third to win on tour this year mm-hmm. with Hudson Swafford and Russell Henley winning uh, two. Now, it's uh, Kisner's the one that's had all these oh. runner-up finishes. Oh. I feel like he's going to break uh, through. Maybe it'll be this weekend at the Players where he lost a couple years ago to Fowler in a playoff. That'd be nice. That'd be very nice if he could do that. Yeah, but he had a, what, he had a runner-up a couple weeks ago too. So, And he has won before, but – the one tournament he won was like one of those that gets played in November, mm-hmm. and um, you know I'm sure he, he he doesn't feel this way about it, nor should he. But you know, as a spectator and a fan of golf, it like I it feels like it, those tournaments in November hardly like count as PGA events. Like you need to win sometime between like January and the PGA Championship, course, right? right? Or you know those tournaments, I guess, in the FedEx Cup. Yeah. And we started the show with a funny photograph of Jim McElwain naked humping a shark even though it wasn't actually him we'll end the show with another great photograph if you haven't seen it yet john daly being doused in champagne on the 18th green after winning his first senior tour event and his first win in any sense since 2004 yeah that was a that was a great it was a great weekend in golf to have uh, daly back in the winner's circle then another bulldog winning but the thing about daly is talking about sports photographs he is a, a part of the greatest sports photo of all time. Now, some people might think, oh, you mean when Ali was uh, standing over Sonny Liston? No, it was when John Daly won the British Open at St. Andrews and was on the, the 18th green hugging whatever wife it was at the time. Maybe that was the first one. And a streaker is running behind them <laughs> with uh, 19th hole and an arrow pointing down on his back. <laughs> and Daly and his wife, though, are unfazed by it. They're just embracing. He had just won the British Open. And that the greatest photo in sports history. So whenever Daly wins tournaments, it's it's epic. It inspires great photos yes. and champagne showers on the 18th green. That'll wrap things up for us here on the crossover this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can catch us on 960theref.com every week. So for Chris Bram, I'm Sam Franco. Thanks for tuning in. Come back and check us out next week here on the crossover.
You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com. Love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting one hundred dollars back and one hundred percent accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 